Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. I have a little saying. Uh, I want to know if you've heard this saying before. Snitches get stitches. (laughs) Have you heard that, Sarah? (laughs) Maybe once or twice in my life. Yeah. Well... Bella also gets stitches, but it's not because she a snitch. Okay. It's because she a dumb bitch. <laughs> you know, I see your point there, and I think uh, I think it's a pretty concise one. Um, Bitches she, get stitches. It's 2020 and we're reading Twilight! <laughs> my god i'm sarah and that's how you do an intro i didn't realize until i was re-listening to episode six earlier today that i said i was going to do an intro and then i was just basically like oh my book is broken oh this is a bad intro and then we just got into it and had no intro sarah yeah this is episode six fuck i was listening to episode five god (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i'm the worst podcaster ever our three listeners are going to be listening to this and be like wait is this episode seven she said episode six we have four total listens on spotify i think that that tell well which is funny because this episode isn't going to come out for another few weeks because episode two came out today and episode three is going to come out next week and so on and so forth so maybe we have 20 million listeners by the time this episode actually comes out maybe i would call that optimistic but i think it's just you being deranged (laughs) uh did you read the last five chapters of this book because that's just what happens when you (laughs) your brain stops functioning properly after you've read them when you're forced to read chapters 21 through 24 plus the epilogue of stephanie meyer's literary classic twilight can it get worse? Apparently it can. And I gotta say, like, I'm in, I I didn't think this idea was original uh, when we started doing this. I didn't, I didn't set out with that assumption, but I was shocked and disturbed when I went to Spotify today and saw that under our episode, three recommendations, uh, one of them being reading Twilight in quarantine and then two more relating to reading Twilight. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't think the idea was original, but like, the Shit. only thing we have saving us is that we are fucking hilarious. Yeah. I mean, we're so insightful and funny. And we're great. I was. We're great. So. Aren't we listeners? <laughs> episode two went live today, and I listened to it in its entirety um, because. All I, two hours. Two hours of it. Uh, because I was trying to find a good title for it, and I went with The Collins, am I right? Um, because I was inspired by when we were talking about how if Bella died in the car crash scene, it would be hilarious if nobody even noticed, because they were all just, like, staring at The Collins. <laughs> and that if I was in that scene, everyone would be like, oh my god, what happened to Bella? <laughs> and I would be like, oh, who? <laughs> Have you seen Alice? Shit. Alice's. So I wanted 
to have a good t- title for episode two. And I re-listened to episode two. And I have to say, I think that we're very funny. Because I was laughing a lot while listening to it. And I found our insight to be good. I think we were a little too long-winded in those first two episodes. But I think we're we're getting better at it. It's okay. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> Summary episode. Everybody wins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're going to have a like a roundup episode after this one before we actually get into new moon. And I think what we should do for the, like to celebrate the roundup episode is we should watch twilight and then like give our thoughts. (laughs) That I like that. We'll review the movie and book together. Yes. Uh, see if the movie made the book a little bit more concise versus the, uh, 498 pages that are Twilight. Um, I mean, to be fair, when 90% of the book is Bella's brain and we don't get any any of that insight in the movie because it's a movie. And it's just Kristen Stewart <laughs> staring at things. That poor woman. She, like, is staring off into the distance like a Vietnam veteran. having Her acting career was smeared by that, act, that, that role for years. I've seen some incredible films with her in them since then, and I just love her so much. She's so good. People still pan her because of it, too. Exactly. And I'm like... But Kristen Stewart's no, a terrible actress. Actually, no, she's not. That was just a terrible role she did one time. Anytime someone criticizes Kristen Stewart, you immediately have to ask them, like, oh, what was she in that was so bad? And they're going to... Immediately, they're just going to say Twilight. And it, they'll never say any other movies because she was great in everything else. I'm pretty sure she's around our age, isn't she? I think she's like 27 or 28. I remember she was 17 when the movie was being filmed. Yeah, okay. So I'm like, are we really Or she might be 30 this year. Hold on, let me look it up. The teenager on their life decisions here? Oh, yeah. She was seven. She Yeah, she's 30. So she was 17 when this movie was being filmed. She wasn't even old enough to have a driver's license in Washington where the movie was being that. filmed. Yeah. So to to judge her and make her spend her whole life like having to live up to or live uh, basically living down to the like role that she played when she was 17 and signed a contract for all these movies. Uh, it's just ridiculous. So we start out the final phase of the book um, with Bella getting into a fight with Alice and Jasper because Alice has another vision where James goes to Renee's house. And so they alter the plan. And now it's going to be that Ed and Carlisle um, and Emmett, I think, yeah. fly down. Yeah, and Emmett fly down to meet them in Phoenix. And she's going to meet up with Ed in the airport, and he's just going to take her somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get in a fight because she's like, he took my mom already. He's just going to keep taking other people and hurting them to try and get to me. So, you know, just we can't, I can't just run away. Blah, blah, blah. And then she goes and rocks in the corner for three hours. <laughs> and Alice Same. leaves her alone. Oh my god, and, she's um, rotting in the corner me just after like reading this book. <laughs> um, and then when she comes back out, uh, it's because there's a call. And then Renee calls her. And she's like, Bella, Bella. 
Oh, God. And then James gets on the phone because James has her mother. And he has Bella go to the other room and have a conversation with her and tells her basically she has to sneak away uh, and meet him alone. Go to her mother's house. There's a phone number there. Call it. And uh, then he can kill her instead of killing her mother. Uh, and if she brings anyone with her, uh, her mother's dead. Sounds and great. so, you know, Bella's like, cool, goes back out, tells, pretends nothing's wrong, and then writes a letter to Ed and asks uh, Alice to deliver it to her mom in a weird Honestly, so, like, I understand what happened, but I'm not really sure what Bella's exact plan there was with the letter. Because she asked her to take it to her mom, but then she expected Ed to get it in the end. I guess maybe it was that he would, uh, they would figure out she was gone and then read the letter, but... I would also think it's more likely that if she slipped away, they would think that somehow the other vampires got to her and not even consider reading the letter. <laughs> I feel like they Stephanie just wanted to include, like, she just wanted to have this letter, like, have this, like, romantic, like, goodbye letter that written to Edward, but she didn't really think about, like, how he would get it. Now, if things went awry and she died, which actually I say awry, if things went according to plan and he killed her <laughs> according to, to Bella's plan, um, then, of course, they would probably read the letter. But yeah, but the but letter... Also would just, she could just keep it on her. Yeah, the like... letter is also not... like As far as I remember, it wasn't like a... It's not like it was... It almost read like, if I'm gone, don't come after me. Am I wrong? It was, she didn't want Ed to pursue the matter any further. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it was more of a like, oh, if he kills me. Okay, here we have it. (laughs) Let's read it. I hate this font. I love you. I am so sorry. He has my mom and I have to try. I know it may not work. I am so very, very sorry. Don't be angry with Alice and Jasper. If I get away from them, it will be a miracle. Tell them thank you for me. Alice especially, please. And please, please don't come after him. That's what he wants, I think. I can't bear it if anyone has to be hurt because of me, especially you. Please, this is the only thing I can ask you now for me. I love you. Forgive me, Bella. So, yeah, it definitely reads like she's like, if he kills me, please don't try to avenge my death because... Um, and uh, just died. so we point out, it's a miracle if she gets away. No, it's a matter of severe oversight yeah. on the superhumans you're dealing with, which we'll get to in the next chapter. Yeah, the fact that they like <laughs> literally just like Alice. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Next chapter, next chapter. Okay, I'm sorry. Still got to finish. You're right. Hold on. So, first of all, Bella says, asks Alice if she thinks that James can only hurt her by going after her human family. And I'm just like, okay, point taken. You're saying that he can go after the Cullens too, but really you're, you're insinuating that they're family. Let's be realistic here. You ran away after meeting them all for the first time, pretty much and spending like, that was the most time you'd ever spent with all of them aside from Edward. Are you really going to call them family? She's, she's diving straight in. 
She's like, I'm ready to be a part of this family forever. Look how hot they all are. They, m- <laughs> Mommy Cullen and Sister Cullen carried me off together. My panties are drenched and <laughs> I am ready. She's like, I'm All gay I know now. is that this I've is a weird leave. incest family. Yeah. <laughs> also, the, the huge plot hole in this scene is that Stephanie Meyer just likes to conveniently forget when like what her characters are capable yes. of at yes. any given moment so she's like on the phone with James with him telling her like his secret plan and he going to the other room where they can't hear and uh somehow you know Alice who's standing right across from her one of the beings that can literally hear her heartbeat <laughs> Doesn't overhear this conversation. What? Yeah, it's it's literally like we've talked we talked about this in the last episode as well. Um, when the vampires like show up and the wind blows and it makes them realize that Bella's a human. And previously, we knew that, like you said, the vampires can hear heartbeats of human beings. So you're telling me that for some reason Alice is just like deaf all of a sudden and can't hear what's going on on the phone? Especially when we draw so much attention to the fact that they all, like even over the phone, they can understand each other when they're talking so quietly and so quickly that nobody else can understand them. And I'm like, what? This is a point that you draw attention to. And... You just undermined it. I just. I feel like Stephanie. I feel like homie. parts of this book were formulated at different moments. Like the basic story probably happened outside of her really figuring out like exactly how the vampires work, right? Like, but you have to go back and fix it after that. Yeah. So like she is like, oh, they're so powerful and strong. Like you can only kill them by like tearing them to pieces. And, you know, they can smell your fear and they can hear your heartbeat and they can see you pissing yourself. But like they, (laughs) (laughs) but then, but then she's like, she runs into this roadblock where it's like, oh, these superhumans who have super senses for some reason can't hear the conversation that Bella is rather frantically having on the phone with the guy they're supposed to be protecting her from. She's not that great of an actress. I cannot believe that for one second. No, it's not even that she's not that great of an actress. It's also the fact that she's so bad of an actress that James calls her out on it while asking her to act. Yes. While on the phone. I'm just like, come on. Yeah. It, come on. It's. I, I think she was just hoping that nobody was going to address it. But we're addressing it. We're calling you out on your shit, Smire. So yeah, so ultimately Bella has to figure out how to escape from these invincible superhumans who can track her by scent and sound and are imperceptibly fast and 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 impossibly strong. They have all openly acknowledged that the smell of her is so strong that Alice could smell it 
from an incredibly large baseball field away. How the fuck is this supposed to work? How? I literally don't understand what the rationale is here. Also, we're trusting the person whose last great plan involved destroying the soul of the best character of the book to come up with another great plan. Is that really a good idea? It's Is that really where we want to put our chips down? I... <laughs> they spent maybe a chapter and a half in the beginning talking about how Bella is smart and, like, ahead of her time or whatever, but she's really so stupid. And I think a lot of that comes from the narrative can't be too... Uh, to the point, I guess. Like, she can't just be like, oh, I know exactly what to do. I know how I'm going to do it. Even though she finds a way to do it every single time. Okay, so the key... Because... I'm, I'm going to pull up my own, uh, my own writing finesse again. I'm, uh, working on a book where the two main characters are actually supposed to be both really intelligent people. But the key to having two really intelligent people involved with situations that have mysteries or like complicated matters that have to be worked out and keeping it interesting is they can't have all the information. Yeah. You just, you find ways to restrict their thought processes and information in such a way that it doesn't matter that they're intelligent. They're unable to figure it out. Yeah. Bella has no restrictions placed on her. She's given free reign. Yeah, once she figures out that they're vampires, it's pretty much like no holds barred. Like, she just gets everything. Everybody tells her everything about everything. And so she has all the information. She knows what's going on. She knows it's probably hopeless, but she still just, like, acts like a fucking moron anyway. God, she's dumb. Yeah. So chapter 22 picks up. With Alice having another vision, uh, which we can kind of figure she sees Bella being dead. Uh, and then she explains to Bella exactly how her visions work, um, which we've talked about before. It involves decisions where, like, once someone has made a choice, uh, that's when she gets the clearest image of exactly how things are going to go down. Which... Do, do you know how branching realities and timelines work in time travel? That's how it works. <laughs> yes. So, basically, <laughs> Alice... What gets me about this is, like, Bella... By the time Alice is explaining this to her, Bella has already made the very concrete choice to fucking leave. So, how does it still happen? I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't think she has that much control over the ability like i don't know if it just comes to her if she can make it happen if she can like try to have a vision or if they always just kind of hit her but i feel like when you're in this i think she's like she's like the unwilling oracle in a sense where they just overcome her and then she deals with them as they come in yeah so alice and jasper and bella head to the airport where bella runs off to get in a cab and heads to her mother's house to meet james she calls him he sends her over to the ballet studio, which I don't know why she wouldn't just assume to go there in the in the first place. I mean... The only thing I could think... No, I'll let you finish it, and then I'll explain my thought process on that. I, I really don't know why she didn't just go there in the first place. But anyway, so uh, 
he sends her over to the Bazalai studio, um, and then he reveals that he never had her mom in the first place. He was using a home video um, in which Be- uh, her mom was, like, calling out to her to make it seem like he had her, which I, you know what? Good job. Uh, then he attacks her, and he throws her into a mirror, and she passes out. So here is my my theory on why she didn't go to the ballet studio first. And the problem with this theory is the fact that it assumes Bella is making an intelligent decision. Okay, go uh, on. And that it should have been explained in writing why she made the decision uh, because she's not intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically for her to know he was at the ballet place was based on the information she had from Alice's visions. And so if she went straight to the ballet place um, without having any read, because he never said anything about it. She had no reason to go there based on the information he gave her. Then she would be giving away that she had some kind of extra information and he may do something to her mother thinking that she was either accompanied or something else was going on. Okay, I see that. I don't think Bella had that many chaining thoughts, though. No, uh, (laughs) she's not very smart. No, I think she really was just like, well, he told me to go to the house, so I'm going to the house. Now, the fact that she makes it out of the airport into a taxi to her mother's house makes no sense because they would have known she was gone. They would have known within minutes that she was gone. And and that was like, she went through it. She was explaining how she managed to do it. Like how everything just kind of aligned perfectly in order for her to get out before they would figure out too much and be able to actually trace her. But the problem isn't with necessarily the series of events that happened, but with the very beginning concept, which is that Alice said, hey, I'll go with you to get breakfast. And she was like, how about Jasper? And Alice was like, yeah, sure. I'll just stay here for no reason. We've already established that there's multiple vampires that are in leagues to get you. How about just one of us goes off with you? Not both of us. For some reason. There's no plausible explanation. It's just that, I like, the only thing I can think is that Alice is, like, trying to be nice. So, like, when Bella's like, hey, I would prefer if this happens, she's like, well, you know, I don't really see how this could go wrong. But, like, it doesn't make, it doesn't really make sense because Alice should know, given the vision that she just had that is heavily implied to be Bella dead on the floor, that they've been overly cautious the whole time exactly. and all of a sudden Alice is making the decision to not be overly cautious. And not only that, but Bella's like talks the entire lead up to this happening about how Alice is suspicious of her and how poor of a job she's doing at pretending she's not betraying them. Yeah. And Alice just watching her. And then all of a sudden she's just like when when she suggests that Alice is just like, "Okay, and she says that Alice seems to only be suspicious of what might be happening and not her specifically. Yeah. I'm like, but why? That doesn't make... Why was she watching her the whole time then? Why did you write about Alice, like, obviously conscious of something going on with her and then just 
blatantly ignoring it. I think, um, I think this comes down to, sorry, I'm so fucking bored that I'm yawning. Um, no, (laughs) (laughs) I think this, a lot of this comes down to Alice, despite how sweet and wonderful she is, she just really underestimates Bella and not like to give Bella undue credit. In a credit. good way. <laughs> she, she underestimates Bella's dumb fucking luck that everything Bella ever does, like, just works she out in her favor. all of her points out of dexterity and put them all into luck. <laughs> You're right. Like, she literally, like, she, despite being incredibly fucking danger prone, she's not dead yet. Like, everything bad happens to her, but she still survives. She is Domino. And she attributes it to to Ed. But really, it's her dumb luck that she met Ed to keep her from dying exactly. in the first place. Man, Domino wishes she had this kind of luck. Oh, my God. Though I will say, uh, the home video troll was one of the most clever parts of the book. And the only thing that would have made it better is if the video oh, turned stop. over to a Rick roll. <laughs> <laughs> At the very end, it was just like, dun, 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 dun. No, absolutely not. I actually, I agree. I think this was, very, I think it was very clever. I think Stephanie Meyer came up with a great ploy for the way that he tricked her. Be- and I will say, I think the only reason that she came up with this was because she specifically didn't want either of Bella's parents in on the vampire shit. Yeah. So, like, the... The one time she works within a constraint, it's not even a good constraint. Yeah, it's just like she didn't want them to know that that the Cullens are vampires. So she, like, makes uh, up a reason that... Uh, James could convince her to come to the dance studio thinking that she has her mom without her mom actually being in danger because if her mom was in danger then she would find out which also let's be honest because he was like he's acting all nice when she gets there and he's like aren't you glad your mom's not involved and she's like yeah and uh but I'm like no that he would definitely get her mom involved on purpose because everything we see about James like he's acting really nice during the scene about the fact that he's using her he tells her he's using her to lure Ed in basically that his actual goal is to screw with Ed and for basically for opposing him and then for and then to just kill Ed I guess Um, but So he's willing to use her life to get to Ed and then to torture her for it. So as nice as he is acting with her, he's clearly sadistic. Yes. And he doesn't under, like, he talks about how he doesn't understand how vampires are attracted to humans sometimes. So, like, he doesn't even process the whole empathy thing anymore as far as humans go. So, like, no, it would definitely be his mo to get bella's mom and use her just for more now what i'll give to stephanie meyer on that front is it's definitely way easier for him to have gotten the video than to go find where bella's mom is 
But he said it was too easy to do it that way. So I'm like, if he thought it was too easy, why wouldn't I he I think just... he's just being, like, smug. A dick? Like, he's just being a smug dick at, at that moment. Because we know that Be- the reason that Bella moved to Forks was because uh, Steve, Renee's husband, travels around a lot. So he gets the information about where Bella lived in Phoenix, goes there... Maybe, like, this is 2004, 2005, so there's home videos everywhere in this house, right? So if he's trying to figure out where she is or whatever, looking at a home video that's maybe sitting right under the TV is not that hard. And if he's trying to, like, learn more about her and hunt her in the most efficient way possible or whatever, it kind of makes sense. And it's so much simpler because she said she was going to Phoenix to think, well, you know what? I've got this home video that sounds like her mom is freaking out about her. Why don't I just use it as bait rather than having to somehow figure out where Bella's mom actually is? I love his breakdown of his plan here and his thinking process where he talks about having overheard where she was going just like she expected and then just being like well she said she was gonna go there so she she wants me to think she's gonna go there or that she's not gonna go there it's a trick well humans like things they know so she's going there (laughs) she's going to phoenix and i'm just like well look bella look at how stupid your plan was it's almost like the relying relying on the plan, but do they know that we know that they know at any point ever is really stupid. Yeah. It's it's so like stupid and twisted and convoluted that it's almost not even worth like <laughs> investigating further. Like I think she made it this complicated and dumb just so that people would feel less inclined to like break it down. Because really, it could have just been, I'm going to Phoenix. And then the guy was like, said she's going to Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's all so dumb. They should have gotten on a plane and fucking left. Like, I, it's like this whole thing could have just been avoided if she was like, I'm going to Phoenix. And they get on a plane to Antarctica or something. I don't know. Uh, we, all, we do get Alice's vaccine. Or backstory. We do. We get it from James because it turns out that he killed the guy who turned Alice. Because this guy. So he wanted to hunt Alice and was opposed by the vampire that turned Alice. Yes. So so the vampire that turned Alice did what Edward was unwilling to do. As far as I remember. This story is not wholesome at all because Alice was a mental patient who was basically being preyed on by her psychiatrist. I don't think it's implied that he ever like physically did anything to her, but he was like obsessed with her. And so, and he was a vampire. And so when James showed up, he was like, I want to eat her. And the guy was like, no. And so then he took Alice out of the asylum, turned her, and then James killed her. No, James killed him. James killed him. Sorry, got my pronouns mixed up. 
very confusing in the situation where killing her would mean Alice is no longer in the story and the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> you know but what I meant. But not exactly unexpected from Stephanie Meyer's writing either. You know what I meant. But, so... But, yeah. Yeah, that's that's chapter 22. Yeah, so we go into chapter 23 where uh, the it's just three or four pages of Bella dying in a pile, puddle of her own blood yeah. on the ground. She's just laying there uh, halfway Surrounded by things. shattered glass. and. So the fact that this story is in... I Now, listen. I have a love-hate relationship with first-person perspective. I think if you want to have limited information and you know from the beginning exactly how every single scene in your book is going to go and it makes sense for the limited information to exist, first-person perspective is fine. But if you're going to have shit like this where the perspective of the story would be better told from someone else's point of view, then you really need to reconsider whether or not your book should be in the first-person perspective. Or just switch perspective for a chapter. Well, she... Writers do it all the time. Yeah, she does that in Breaking Dawn. Now, I think it makes more sense in Breaking Dawn because you have the switched perspective for about a third of the book versus this which would just be the one chapter i mean i'm not opposed to it depends on the situation so i feel like it would make less sense in twilight because of the setup because while it's in it's in past tense uh-huh. like the story's being told from the future it's we aren't reading it like bella it's not like bella wrote this story for in a book for people to read herself so it would it would be weird to have it switch perspective in that case i think but there's there's got there's there better ways to do i also just struggle with first person's perspective because um i struggle to understand exactly how i'm hearing the story like i understand that it's a book so i should just shut up and read it right but when you have third person perspective it's very obviously like oh this is a book being this is a story being told about this character right versus first person perspective which is like oh this is this character telling me this story why are they telling it to me like maximum ride that james patterson series was written completely from max's perspective it was a first person perspective however she states in like the first chapter that she's writing it just in case something happens and like her story needs to be told. And I like that because it actually gave some nuance to the reasons why we're seeing everything only through her eyes because she's writing it. It's something that classic literature did write uh, that we've lost which I won't say often about classic literature, but I'll say in this instance, <laughs> frame stories yes. are extremely useful, especially in first person. Yes. Because it helps you to understand exactly why your perspective is the way that it is and why you only have the information that you have. But anyway, so Bella's dying. She's in a pool of yeah. her own blood. James broke her leg. I remember watching that scene she knows, and just vomiting in my mouth. She knows who everyone is there except for Ed. Every time Ed talks, he, she thinks an angel's talking to her. But she she knows that Carlisle is Carlisle. Yeah. 
Alice is Alice. I don't. I. She's stupid. <laughs> um, and we gather basically. It's it's like a fever dream, so it's not like there's a whole lot of information. We just gather that she's got broken body parts and she's bleeding, and Carlisle has to keep her from bleeding out. And so he's like, Ed, you gotta get the venom out of her hand. And Ed's like, I can't do it. And Carlisle's like, you're the only one, Ed. You're the chosen one. You gotta do it. You were supposed I to bring you balance this to moment. the force, not destroy it. So, but this is just, this whole suck the venom out thing was is just a huge plot hole to me. Because the venom is in their saliva. We talked about yes. this before. So, if he tries to suck the venom out if he sucks out the blood that has been poisoned okay but in the process he's also just getting his saliva on the wound (laughs) which also has venom in it i'm just imagining him like aggressively wiping the saliva from his teeth gums and lips like he takes the sleeve of his shirt and he's just like ah (laughs) like have you ever stuck like fake vampire fangs to your teeth and you have, and yeah. you know how you have to dry them off to make sure that the stuff can stick to them. He has to, to give them? himself cotton mouth. <laughs> He's literally just gotta like shove a bunch of. He's cotton sitting there mouth. with like a fucking joint in the corner, just like. <laughs> Because I gotta dry myself I, out. Gotta I gotta dry, dry myself out, or Bella's gonna fucking <laughs> die. I to this day, to this day, do not understand why Carlisle didn't fucking do it. Because he's like, I gotta stop the bleeding. And I'm like, can Ed not hold a rag or something in place to That's stop the That's because Edward earlier on... You're not on, doing stitches. Edward earlier on was like, oh, he could smell like human blood anytime, anywhere, and he would be fine. And it's like, oh, awesome. I'm so happy for him. So why isn't he fucking doing this? Because Edward, like, I don't remember how it was described or in the book exactly but like oh yeah no he says in the next chapter like you're lucky you're alive it was really hard to not fucking kill you because in the movie they even show him like drinking her blood and he's like losing control and like how does carlisle not think oh if he drinks her blood he's gonna lose control and just kill her but it's the drama sarah (sighs) You gotta let him... It's so romantic if he's the one who does it. Though, I will say... they suspension of disbelief. They give that a little bit of context because in later books, he sa- they say that he's pretty desensitized to her blood at this point because he got to bite her. Though, I still to this day don't understand why Carlisle didn't do it and why they didn't just let her become a vampire. Okay. Still doesn't make sense. I understand why. Um, I do understand why. Because the next three books couldn't happen if she became a vampire. With that said, it still just doesn't make any sense. Oh, hi, Ruby. They're also surprised and appalled by the fact that James, like, the fact that James bit her on the hand. And I don't know why. Because... They talk about how hard it is to resist the blood all the time. And they knew he was hunting Bella. They should have expected him to bite her. Why would they think he wouldn't bite her? Yeah. (laughs) They should have been planning for that eventuality. I I really... (laughs) 
No, I agree. That doesn't make any sense at all. That they're all like, he bit her? What the fuck? I don't. <laughs> You're telling me that the person that wanted to eat her for lunch went and ate her for lunch? It's ridiculous. All right, that's the end of chapter 23. So let's go on to chapter 24, which is technically the final chapter before the epilogue. Uh, Bella wakes up in the hospital. Edward and the whole family are there to tell her they called her parents and told them she fell down some stairs and through a window, which for some reason they believe. I just continue. Yes. Just continue. Renee asks Bella to move to Jacksonville with her, but Bella insists that she wants to stay in Forks because it's her home. They have a very stereotypical conversation where uh, Renee is like, I think Edward likes you. And she's like, mm, no, or whatever. Then Bella asks Edward why he wouldn't let her become a vampire, and he adamantly refuses to allow that to happen to her, basically implying that it's never going to happen. Um, and then Bella implies that she'll just have Alice or someone or someone turn her into a vampire, and he's like, no, because he's a dick. Yeah. Yeah, so i'm pretty sure i've heard this discussed before like it's such an important point that people bring up which is she seems to have had a fight with her father and refuse and says that she has no problems with edward but then he follows her down there with his family and she ends up down a flight of stairs <laughs> and out a window into any rational person not thinking vampires this is gonna have some implications yeah it's i've definitely we have both definitely railed on this whole fucking plan and the believability of it and the way that charlie is just getting done dirty before but this whole situation is so stupid that it literally makes no sense. Why would they believe that Bella got all the way to Phoenix by herself? Why did Charlie even let her run out the door and go back to Phoenix by herself? She's a 17-year-old child. And then Edward and his entire family chase her to phoenix and the next thing they know bella is in the hospital with debilitating injuries literally where is the logic where do they just and then like they they get there and like the the cullens tell them what happened they're like oh yeah she fell down some stairs they don't even get the story from bella this is great. It high key. It's entirely reasonable. It high key sounds like Bella discovered that the Cullens were involved in the mafia, but she left Forks because she was afraid of them, but she couldn't say that it was because of them because otherwise suspicion would be put on them and then everybody in her life would be in danger. Then she flees to Phoenix. Then they bring the entire family to ensure that nothing goes awry, push her down some stairs, but she doesn't die, so she has to go to the hospital. And they're like, oh, she Collins fell. Collins do organized crime. She fell. Al Capone. 
Al Capone was Edward Cullen. Edward Cullen was Al Capone. You know, he died when he was like 27 years old or something. Died. Yeah, quote unquote died. You mean Edward moved to Alaska. Yeah. That whole thing is so stupid. Oh, no, he was like... Fuck Renee. Oh, no, he went to jail when he was 33. He died when he was like 48. Whatever. He, did, he never really died. He was just Edward the whole time. So... Fuck Renee. Fuck Renee. Literally fuck Renee. She's a terrible parent. But don't fuck Renee. Do not fuck Renee. She shouldn't be allowed to have any more kids. It's not a risk we can take. But, like, screw Renee, but don't screw Renee. Like, the entire time, she's, like, talking to Bella about going back to Forks and staying there. Because you know her personality already and the reason she left, what you're seeing is her saying, is her thinking... You're just a little me. You're just a miniature younger version of me. And you're going to make the same decisions. And for the same reasons. And this is all about what I did when I was younger. And so I'm concerned about you doing it now. Because I don't want you to be me. Except Bella is nothing like you. And she's not going to make... Well, she is going to make the same sort of decisions you made because she is going to get married and have a baby right out of high school but yeah that's not the point the point is that it also doesn't take a lot of convincing for bella to just to be able to stay in forks like she's like you should come with us to Jacksonville. It's, like, obviously not safe for you in Forks. And she's like, no, Mom, Forks is my home. I love Edward. Bleh. And she's like, mm, okay. I'm going to go talk to my, my, my new fuck buddy on the phone now. Oh, my God. And fuck Ed. Fuck Ed. He, this whole scene is so Fucking grating. negging her through the entire scene. Just... Uh, every time he insults her intelligence or her like obviously we're doing it but it's because she's a character in a book he's supposed to be her boyfriend and the entire time he's just like he's talking so sweet to her while just demeaning her it really makes you disregarding her feelings it really makes you wonder like what he sees in her because he like is always being like, oh, like, you're dumb, like, you're young, blah, blah, blah. He infantilizes her constantly. But then for some reason, he's, like, in love with her, like, to the moon and back and, like, would do anything for her. And it's just so confusing as to why he actually has those feelings because he never gives any evidence or tells her things about her that he likes. We get right back down to the fact that we have no basis for why they are together exactly you made your last note on this chapter was about the the little heart rate monitor incident uh and if these two were actually convincingly like cute together then i agree it would be cute it would have been adorable it would have been adorable it's not but it's not and 
Except for when her when her heart stopped, which was just cheesy and stupid. Yes. But her, but Ed playing like him playing with her heart rate by getting closer to her and like kissing her and touching her different ways was adorable. If not for the fact that it was Edward Cullen doing it to Bella. <laughs> I was just like, I'm angry that this is ruined by the characters involved. <laughs> would it have been cuter if it was Alice Cullen doing it to Bella? Yes, it would have been <laughs> fucking adorable then. Because I genuinely believe Alice cares. I don't know why, but it doesn't matter because Alice at least has been characterized in a convincingly loving way that I believe that she cares, even if I don't understand it. I think this book would have been much better if it was the story of how she became incredibly infatuated with Edward only to discover that she's super gay for his sister Alice at the end of the book. And then she's just like, sorry. Who, who then leaves her Confederate boyfriend. Yes. I don't know if he's atoned for that. I, we haven't gotten to that book yet. With emotional control powers. <laughs> so that is... He uses those a lot. <laughs> he does. And I should be like, okay, I do kind of want to go back to that real quick because throughout these chapters, Jasper frequently is used to like emotionally calm and control Bella. And I'm like, I understand the situation is tense, but I feel like there's also some serious moral questions we have to ask about not trying to help somebody deal with their emotions but literally forcibly changing their emotions with your special powers. Yeah. And I get where it might seem good-natured because he's just trying to calm them down. But it is not okay. <laughs> it's manipulative and con- forcibly. And if she was like, can you please calm me down? And he did. Yeah. That's legit. No, that'd be fine. Or if like... She was having panic attacks because that's something, you know, she was diagnosed with anxiety. And she was like, hey, when I have a panic attack, can you make me just not have a panic attack? Yeah. Because they're awful. And then he was like, yeah, sure. But now I'm just like thinking of all the ways he could use that to be manipulative and controlling in a relationship. And it's highly concerning. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maybe Alice, well, because we do know that Alice was in a mental institution, so, and we do know that it was in, like, the 1920s, back when women could be locked up for having, quote-unquote, hysteria, which basically just meant they were being too naggy. So, she could have some kind of, like, really bad anxiety that he helps her cope with. They they prescribed vibrators for that. They did prescribe a lot of vibrators. I wish I could go to the doctor and have a vibrator prescribed to me. Can you imagine? you probably don't wish that it would be like it was originally where no. the doctors would do it for you. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, I just want them to hand me one. They're like, do you want pink or purple? And I'm like... Where's my green? Where's my giant green monster? I'm like, <laughs> I want pink with the little bumps on it. Anyway, so that's the end. Oh, my God. That's the end of the book. No. No? Nope, that's the end of the book. Now, then we have an epilogue. Yes. Epilogue. So, we fast forward to some 
indeterminate amount of time in the future. We literally are given no context for how much time has passed, aside from the fact that she has a cast on her leg or like a boot, and we're like, okay, I guess she's it's long enough that she's moving, but not long and but not so Can long I that estimate? she's fully healed. My estimate would be that this is about two months later because the spring dance happened in March. And everything that happened, happened, like, the next day. Like, all of the stuff, all of the shit that followed was, like, the next day the baseball scene happened, right? So, May is usually around the time that we have prom in in the U- U.S. Because it's usually, like, shortly before graduation. Oh, is prom what she's going to, though? Yeah. Is that where they're, are they going to prom? Yeah, they're going to prom. I know it might have come out of nowhere, but they are going to prom. Well, I, Bella doesn't seem. Bella to think that going somehow, to some way, did not pick up on any information that prom was going to be happening. Had, Ed had Alice literally like lock Bella in her bathroom the entire day and play doll with her, and then which, let's be honest, would be amazing. Yes. Um, <laughs> And then takes her into a car while they're all fancy with their nice dresses and shit. Oh, oh my god. I didn't comment on this. I forgot about it until just now. But she talks about having this stiletto heel on with like a little ribbon on it and stuff. And she's like, is Alice trying to kill me? And Ed just looks over at it and he's like, remind me to thank Alice for that later. Ah! (laughs) And I'm just like. Oh my god. I love it, but I hate it because he said it. (laughs) Awful. But I fucking love it otherwise. So, <laughs> but, Tyler went yeah, to Bella's the, house. The, the, they're in the car on the way to prom. Bella still doesn't know where they're going because she's a fucking idiot. <laughs> she's so and stupid. And Ed's phone rings. And Ed, answer, Ed pulls up. He's like, it's Chief Swan. Because the chief has been a pain in the ass, apparently, ever Oddly enough, since his daughter ran away and almost fucking died a window (laughs) from down two flights of stairs uh so she has curfews and stuff now but um so he answers the phone and ed's just like laughing And and the chief puts tyler on tyler went to bella's house expecting to take her to prom for some for some reason. So, for some reason, like, so Bella had no idea that prom was even happening. Yet, Tyler, like, didn't confirm with her at all that they were still going together. Yet, for some reason, he's under the impression that they are going to prom. She has a whole ass boyfriend. Like, everybody knows that they are together. What? You fool, Tyler. What? You absolute dunce of a man. Absolutely ridiculous. Your note made me laugh, though. I'm going to read it dramatically. Tyler, you fool. You absolute dunce. Go fucking crawl into a hole. The only part of your stupidity in which I find relief is the part where it's focused on Bella. Because no one else deserves to deal with your dumbass. (laughs) That's an incredible take. Thank you. I hate him. He's the only person in this book fucking dumber than Bella. And that's a miracle because she's about three brain cells stitched together. 
And one of them is hanging on by a thread. Yeah. And so after that, uh, after that nice little phone call, Bella realizes what's happening finally and uh, gets very upset about the fact that he's taking her to prom because she doesn't like dances. And she justifies not realizing it by saying she wasn't paying attention to the posters or to the dates on them. But she paid enough attention to know that there were posters. And so we're supposed to believe that she is so unintuitive. After intuiting some shit in the last few scenes. uh, That she didn't piece together that they were dressed for prom around the time that prom would be happening. And so therefore they might be going to prom. And on top of that... She has friends that every other dance have come to her about shit. And she knew the timings of those dances, despite the fact that she had no intention of going to them. And we're just expected to believe that they were like, you know what? Let's just not talk to Bella about prom. Specifically. Not even, like, about our stuff with prom. We're just not going to talk to her about it. You're telling me... That Jessica never brought up prom to her? Jessica. Jessica. <laughs> Are we talking you're te- about the same you're girl? Eric, the idiot who <laughs> tried to invite her and she said she would go to prom with, maybe? No, she said that she would go with Tyler. To leave her alone. No, no, she told Eric that to try and get him to leave no, her alone. No, because remember? Tyler, was Tyler not the one who came, like, yeah, no, it was Tyler because he's the one who pulled up in his van, like, in his new car. Yeah, it was, behind like, in her in the car. Because it was Eric first because we talked about the fact that Eric was an incel. Yeah. And she might have been concerned about denying him. Okay, I thought she said and that so to that Tyler. that was why she was like, well, maybe I'll go with you to prom then. I thought she said that to Tyler and that's why Tyler is, like, at her house. Maybe she said it to both of them. Maybe she said it to both of them. Just to be like, God, leave me alone. Mike was the only one she Either was way, honest so, with. Because she was like, he's not going to kill so me. <laughs> Tyler didn't say anything to her. And Eric, who is just as dense, also didn't say anything to her. And Mike didn't say anything to her because he's going steady with Jessica now. Jessica. Jessica. <laughs> I love her. I want I want her and Alice to run away together. Schrodinger's bell curve. Back at it again. She's so stupid. Like how I just I I know that it's supposed to be cute and like, oh, she's surprised that they're going to prom and she doesn't like prom and blah blah blah. But Stephanie Meyer, how can you honestly tell me that a girl in high school has no fucking clue that prom is coming up? I don't care if she's not interested in prom. I don't believe you. Yeah. I don't believe you that she wouldn't at least have an idea. So then they actually go to prom. Everyone is just standing around the edges of the room watching the other four Cullens dance. They dance like freaks. Like it's the way that it's described (laughs) is does not sound like something I would want to watch. It sounds like something I would be disturbed by. 
And then Ed takes her out there, which, like, is bad enough because he knows she doesn't like to dance. And she's not going to want to be in front of all those people. And he takes her out there anyways. And then, like, puppets her. Yeah, he, like, lifts her up and, he, like, like a child, puts her on his feet so that she can dance. And then she's like, I guess this isn't so bad. But just super, super, like, I'm just, yeah. Ed, come on, bro. Yeah. Dick, you're being a dick. Then. Because he's like, I'm doing the, like, we'll get into it in, a little, in, in the next part, but yeah. <laughs> so then, good boy shows up. And good boy being Jacob. Jacob, not Mike. Jacob. Uh, Jake, <laughs> Jacob shows up and uh, he, like, is super embarrassed. He's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't want to have to, like, say this to you. Like, this is not a message coming from me. It's coming from my dad. Uh, but he basically, like, bribed me with car parts to tell you to leave Edward. And that we, not my plural, but my dad's, we will be watching. Which is not how you convince someone that you are doing the right thing. No. And Bella also tells him when he's, like, reluctant to tell her, to give her the message. And she's like, I won't get mad. Yeah. And then he tells her, and she's like, okay, I got mad. Even though I said I wouldn't get And I'm like, Bella, what the fuck did you expect the message to be? You knew what it was going to be about going in. You knew what he was going to be saying. Why would you say you're not going to get mad and then get mad it's not like he gave you some inform new information that you weren't expecting. Yeah, like Billy already when told they you said to they break were... up with them. <laughs> but when they said they're stalking you, you were just like, "Huh, it's cool. He's good intentioned." <laughs> what? It's yeah. I feel bad for Jacob. I've, I I was re-listening to episode two, like I said, and uh, I said at one point. Uh, this is not... Oh, wait, no. That wasn't episode two. I was re-listening to episode five, and I was like, this is not the first time I have openly pitied Jacob, and it will not be the last. Case in point, this no, scene... He, I feel awful for him, because he's just being used and abused throughout the entire book, and just forced into awkward situations by everyone else around him against his will. Yeah. And... It's the worst part is that it's all centered around Bella and it's all her fault because had she she decided to draw him in and to pique his interest at the beginning fuck not even the beginning of the book halfway through the book just to use him for information yeah and from then on he was interested in her because of that and it's just come back to bite him constantly. And she, and she suffers nothing for it. It's just Jacob that is put in this real awkward spot. Yeah. <sighs> um, bitch move, Bella. Bitch also, move. Ed literally picks Bella up off the ground like a foot. She says he picks her up a foot off the ground while they're dancing. And I'm like, we already know everybody's supposed to be standing around watching. That seems like a bad move. Yeah. I mean, I know the Cullens, I, I've uh, discussed the Cullens 
poor stealth tactics in the past, but uh, just, you know, picking somebody a foot up off the ground nonchalantly seems like a poor choice. <laughs> um, the next part... <laughs> Probably one of the most infuriating conversations in the entire book, so thank God it takes place on the last two pages. Edward takes Bella outside to have a private conversation, and she brings up the fact that she, like, wasn't expecting to come to prom, and he's like, where did you think we were going to go? And she's like, I don't know, I thought you were getting me dressed up because you had rethought, like, turning me into a vampire. And he's, like, borderline offended He's like, you know, I, you don't want to give up this life. What was that? I hate everything. <laughs> it was so bad because he's like, you don't want to give up this life. It, you don't want this to be the end. Like your life has only just begun, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, all I care about is being with you forever. And he's like, I'll stay with you. Basically implying that as she ages, and, like, grows old and dies. He's going to stay with her. But I don't trust him and his impulses enough that when she got old and was about to die, he wouldn't just, like, turn her. And then she would just be stuck living as an old lady forever. Also, Ed, homie, it's it's not like you're giving her carol <laughs> he literally you're and you're not actually killing it's not like she stops existing you're not just like it's not like she's like i'm gonna kill myself and he's like okay yeah, he basically <laughs> he basically treats becoming a vampire like a death sentence. And we know that he has deep-seated opinions about the way that being a vampire basically means that he's damned and he's going to hell and all this stuff. But that doesn't mean that he gets to forsake the woman he claims to love to growing old and dying while he stays young. Like, it's completely unfair of him to behave that way, especially when she knows... That his family is full of vampire couples who all at one point had to make the choice to turn the other one so that they could be together. Except for Alice and Jasper. The only part of this decision that I think is reasonable is him saying, like, as if he said, wait a few years. Yeah. Like, we will do this. Because, like... You have a long time before you actually start to get old. Like, you're 17. Let yourself keep growing up a little bit. And then. Maybe dump know, Edward and matured, move to Hawaii. Once you've matured, if you still want to make that decision, okay. Yeah. But, like, not when you're 17. And I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but it's very deeply ingrained into into Bella um, because the opening scene from New Moon is her dreaming about looking into a mirror and seeing herself super old with Edward standing next to her and so when her birthday comes around she's like oh I'm 18 I'm older than you now which first of all no you're not 
because he's a hundred and something years old. Like, shut up, Bella. Don't be stupid. Yeah. Um, and then in Breaking Dawn, it happens as well because uh, after she gives birth and they turn her and she wakes up, she wakes up on her birthday. So technically it would be her 19th birthday. And she gets really upset because she's like, no, I'm not 19. I didn't turn 19. I stayed 18 forever. As though like that day would make her not like mean that she hadn't lived a whole ass year as an 18 year old. But because she didn't make it to the day of her birthday, she's not 19. But anyway. Bella, homie, I've seen, like, 45-year-old women who still could convincingly pass as being in their mid-20s. Yeah. it's Calm yourself. It's really... <laughs> but knowing that she has those fears and knowing how she feels, I feel like he just... He needs to be more open about it. It's like you said. He needs to just be like, well, maybe in a, in a few years. Like... If he had said, like, oh, after you graduate, I'll turn you or whatever. Like, so that you're actually an adult. You're not in high school anymore. You can make this choice. Because he didn't have a choice. She would be the first. That's what's problem is. She would be the first. Okay. Uh, I was going to say. No, yeah, I was waiting. I was. I, I didn't realize you were going to keep talking. <laughs> and, then I talking. and then you stopped talking. And then I stop talking and then i was leading you into finishing what you were saying before so, i wanted to say what i was you have to understand say. that sometimes the zoom call freezes and so you're just sitting there like <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like what's she doing what's going on um but anyway so bella would be the first person to join the family who had any choice in becoming a vampire so I totally get that he's like, this is not something that any of us like wanted to do. We just did it because it was the only way to not die. But that doesn't mean that somebody can't willingly do exactly. it. Exactly. Especially if it means, if you told me tomorrow that there was a vampire who could bite me and Brandon and we could become immortal vampires and be frozen. Oh, in a heartbeat. The way that we, oh yeah, of course. To never have to deal with the death of my husband and to never have to experience growing old, to be able to basically do whatever I want because I know that there's no real consequences. Yeah, uh, in a heartbeat. How does Edward not understand how fucking appealing this all sounds? And Edward's problem is that he is completely incapable of stepping outside of his own perspective and his own feelings yes he i was gonna say he cares for bella he says he cares for bella um yes but at no point outside of ensuring she doesn't die does he show that he has any real concern for her feelings about things she didn't want to go to prom but he took her anyways because he wanted her to go to prom she wants to be a vampire, but he doesn't want to let her be turned because he doesn't like the idea of her being turned. He never stops and tries to view it from her perspective or actually listen to her feelings. It's always about him. Exactly. And I think, like, it, it would be fine. even Like, he could still hold his ground, but it's the fact that he never... He's never shown to empathize 
that's the problem not the fact that he's he stands firm yeah and i think this would all be a little bit less bad it's still awful but i think it'd be less bad if we didn't have alice there in the background and this is not just me being gay um it's a little bit but not not the whole point but we didn't have alice there in the background basically encouraging bella and like feeding into everything that bella believes and telling her like you know whatever it there is an implication at one point that alice had a vision of bella as a vampire and bella is like excited she's like you know obviously she wants to be one and alice is not like refuting it alice doesn't turn away from that idea um but then edward who's supposed to be on bella's side who is supposed to be the one who cares the most for her is just kind of shutting her down completely even though he knows how much this matters to her which kills me because like if if you have someone who you love who you're supposed to be with you're gonna be with them forever and that's your plan you have to be on their side no matter what and i don't mean you can never tell them that they're wrong you can of course tell them that they're wrong and point out the, their problems and stuff but you are still on their side. Like, you are still with them and supportive of them. And the problem is he views not letting her do this as being on her side. Yeah. When it isn't, because it's not what she wants for it's He treats it like she is trying... She's either saying, I want to commit suicide, or I'm going to go buy six fucking syringes of heroin and inject myself. When she would still be a functional entity with thoughts and feelings. It's like, she's not doing something that's going to make her not human. Like, yeah, technically it makes her not human. But, like, she still retains the primary features of what is human, which is, you know, our cognitive functions and our ability to have emotions and associate with others. I love you, and I love that you make it more and more obvious every day that you straight up do not do drugs. Because, <laughs> because you were like, she's going to go buy six syringes of heroin. Okay, let's be real. It's not like I'm saying weed's bad. No, it's... Don't do heroin. <laughs> no, it's the fact that you're implying that you go to a dealer. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'll have two syringes, please. <laughs> do you have any spare belts <laughs> oh god i'm sorry i'm inexperienced in the ways of drug use my friend who who uh i've referenced a couple times who like has done molly and stuff um has basically said on no uncertain terms that he could get us anything that we want and i don't want him to get us anything i just want him to set up a meeting with his dealer and i want to send you in oh my god <laughs> and i just want to hear the shit that you would say to this drug dealer Look, my point is it's not like she's doing something that's actually going to destroy her life like taking cold medicine Oh my god. <laughs> oh, call back. 
Those will happen occasionally. And, okay, so in this scene, I was convinced that because Bella doesn't tell us what she thought it was going to be in like from her thoughts either so it isn't until this scene outside that we find out what she thought was happening oh god and i was worried the entire time that she because i i remembered enough about this to know that she would they were actually going to prom and i'm also not so stupid that i'm not gonna take the hints when they come up um yeah. But I didn't remember what exactly she thought it was. And I was worried that she was going to think it was a wedding. Like, a secret wedding for them. Yeah. And she was going to be excited. And I was not ready to deal with the cringiness of reading about a 17-year-old girl wanting to marry her century-old vamp bro. It. Yeah. That would have been... Like, (laughs) I literally wouldn't have known how to react if that had been what she had believed what was was going to happen. Like, if she was like, well, I thought we were going to go get married or whatever. I think I might have just thrown up. Like, how do you... I I was sitting there like, no, no, please, no, please, no. Yeah. But luckily she didn't think that. She just thought that they were going to go to a secret turning ceremony question mark what's a turning ceremony exactly was that the word were those my words yeah i yeah oh i called it okay so turning her into a vampire like she thought it was some formal event where she would be turned into a vampire like what what did exactly did she think was gonna go down at this ceremony Ed actually asked her that. He's like, this is a black, that's kind of a black tie event. And I'm like, you know, normally I give you shit for the way you talk to her, but no, that's a pretty valid. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, she's literally like. He, they, she knows that it's three days of searing pain. Why would she think they're putting her in an expensive French dress for that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why she thinks that they would get super dressed up anyway like she knows it's if she was totally ignorant to the process maybe she would think that but like she knows that it's literally just if you bite me i will turn so like no she like if she didn't know what would actually what would actually happen i would have no issue believing that that's what she thought was going on yeah but the fact that she thought that's what might be happening despite knowing exactly how it worked is just it's like you said earlier she has all the information she just doesn't use any of it she's anti-sherlock holmes she just never like applies herself it's like nicholas cage playing sherlock oh god I have to steal the Declaration of Independence. All right, well, um, that's the end. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Ed told her he would. Ed told her he would stay with her, and he's a lying fuck. I just want to. I just need that to be known. Oh yeah, he's he, a lying. He cuts tail and runs. Fuck. It, within a few pages of the next book. There's a prologue or a preface. I'm sorry, not a prologue, a preface, which is once again like less than a page long 
in the preview for Eclipse that's in the back of this book. And I'm like, New Moon. Sorry. You're fine. What? Why do you keep making, like, half-page prefaces, Stephanie? It's not necessary, and it's kind of weird. It's, I think she's just, like, trying to draw interest so that you read the book. But, like, I'm already here, Stephanie. Look, anyone that read through the first book and is going to read the second I am making a podcast about it. Why wouldn't I read it? Okay. I'm, I'm reading it. You don't have to convince me. I don't know. I kind of need some convincing. <laughs> You're doing it. All right. Anyway. A huge thank you to my parents, Steve and Candy. <laughs> for a lifetime of love and support. <laughs> for reading great books to me when I was young. If only you could live up to that. And for holding my hand through the things that make me nervous, my husband, (laughs) Poncho, (laughs) his name is Poncho. (laughs) I don't like making... I will not make fun of somebody's name. I'm not going to do it. I don't like making fun of people's names, but it just nowhere there are so many normal ass names in these acknowledgements and then her husband's name and then there's candy and poncho her husband's name is poncho and her mother's name is candy candy is fine it's like a shortened version of candace and my sons gabe seth and eli for sharing me so often with my imaginary friends if only they had stayed imaginary friends (laughs) My friends at Writer's House, Genevieve Gagne House, I hope that's how you fucking pronounce that name, <laughs> for giving me that first chance, and my agent Jody Reamer for turning the most unlikely dreams into realities. And yes, these were very unlikely dreams. <laughs> my editor, Megan Tingley, for all her help in making Twilight better than it started out. Oh no! And to that I say... Megan, first of all, quit your job. <laughs> Second of all, Smire, how is this better than it started? Oh no. My brothers, Paul and Jacob. Jacob. For their expert on advice on all my automotive questions. <laughs> yes, that's right. Jacob, the 15-year-old car person based off of her brother a car person and my online family the talented staff and writers at fansofrealitytv.com particularly Kimberly Shazer and Colin Mantena for their encouragement advice and inspiration now maybe it's presumptuous to say but given how this book turned out I feel like maybe you shouldn't turn to reality TV fans on internet forums for your book (laughs) advice. Unless your book is about Jersey Shore. (laughs) Those acknowledgements, though. Oh, goodness. It is truly 
and horribly sad because we talked so much throughout the book about whether or not she had an editor. In episode two, uh, we talked about how after the car accident, she skips ahead by a month. And I was like, oh, this is like the only time I could ever imagine her having had an editor because they like came and were like, okay, this part's too boring. You got to cut it out. <laughs> but to know that this passed through three people to know that there were multiple people who edited this book and it, it still came out it, the brick that it is. It's at least one specifically assigned editor and two other people working for the publisher that allowed this to happen. <sighs> the story was workable. But none of them sat down and were like, Stephanie, here's the 67 plot holes and inconsistencies <laughs> and nonsensical pieces in this book. Please fix them before we sell this to customers. It, um, look, there's only so much that we can say. We've said a lot. And I think that it is a pretty general consensus that this book is a hot fucking mess. Uh, and they don't get any better from here. Which I was gonna, because I don't remember, I, I just remember the series is bad, but like, I don't remember how bad, like, I don't remember exact details, so I'm like, you know, maybe it gets better from here. I, what I'll say is, she does retain the more concise nature of the, the last, like, ten chapters of the book that she, like, picked up, where it's, like, each chapter is is kind of its own thing rather than just being a bunch of scenes hammered together. As far as I remember, I could be wrong. Nobody just have her free write the first part of the book and consolidate it for fuck's sake. I, I don't know, but I don't want to waste our lives sitting here talking about how bad the book is because we still have to do a roundup episode. And three more books. <laughs> so plus, a new book. Yes, we're going to get to read Midnight Sun when it finally comes out, uh, in case anyone has forgotten. That is how this uh, whole podcast came to be, was us deciding that we were going to read um, all of the books because the new Midnight Sun is going to be published. I'm very excited to read it. Um, I am so happy that we're done, and I don't ever have to open this relic of a book again. Um and we can move on to the next book. Next week is going to be a roundup episode where it's probably going to be a little shorter. I can't imagine it going on as long as a, an episode where we actually have to talk about specific details. Um, but we're going to basically give our postmortem on the first Twilight book. Our thoughts, our feelings, our many issues. Much like Stephanie Meyer in the last ten chapters of Twilight. We're going to consolidate our <laughs> yes. feelings and our thoughts. Much like Stephanie Meyer when she wrote Life and Death, the gender-bent version of Twilight, we are... That ends properly yeah. <laughs> yeah. with the human becoming a vampire because that's clearly the correct decision to be made in the situation. Yeah. So, um... I guess that's it. Um, do you have any any final thoughts on this episode, M? On a scale 
of Twilight to Pet Cemetery. Okay. Where would you rank Twilight? Where, <laughs> on a scale of Twilight to Pet Cemetery? Yeah. Um Let me see. Probably like a I almost said 50 shades of gray, but like as much shit as I give to Twilight, it's not as bad as 50 shades of gray. <laughs> um, you know what? We'll give it a What's a good like trashy book that women really love? Oh, Eat, Pray, Love. I'll give it an Eat, Pray, Love. Twilight scores and Eat, Pray, Love on the Twilight scale. <laughs> I don't have an issue with Eat, Pray, Love before anyone gets on my ass about it. It's just a, a book that women really love that I felt like giving heck to. I can do it with men, too. It scores a chicken noodle soup for the soul. I can do it with men, too, if you want me to. Well, men are a lot easier because have... I. Literally, last episode, I referenced the subreddit Men Writing Women. <laughs> like, on a scale of Twilight oof. to Pet Cemetery, I'd have to give this one, like, at least a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm going to burn. <laughs> That's a really good book, actually. Uh, That's why I'm going to burn you. <laughs> but I knew it would make you mad. All right, so let's do an outro. I have been Sarah. I have been known by many names, and that's why you can find me at <laughs> M of Many Names on Twitter. And I am at Sarah S. Wilton on Twitter. Our uh, The podcast's Twitter account is at 2020TwilightPod. Um, I, Sarah runs our social media because I don't social. I, yes. Uh, so we are, uh, there will be a tweet every time there's a new episode and I've decided that I'm going to tweet random quotes from the show to get people curious enough to listen to it because some things are taken out of context and are absolutely, uh, vital to understand. We are going the way of, uh... Hollywood movie previews where we take <laughs> things entirely out of their original place in the in the cohesive story and use them to entice our listeners. <laughs> Sounds great. So I'll see you next week. Uh, same time, same place, same Zoom call. We're going to watch Twilight first. Oh shit, yes! We're gonna watch the Twilight movie and uh, add that to our roundup. Since we won't have to be reading anything for the next episode, uh, we're gonna watch the movie. And gonna be it great. is gonna be great. <laughs> I'm gonna go eat some edibles before I do it, though. <laughs> okay, good. You enjoy that. <laughs> Alright. Alice is pretty. Alice is pretty. Bye!